Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast. Now it's brand new. This is our 250th episode. So this is going to be a celebration of all things coordination, the Five Heart Podcast over the past five, six years. I don't know. We'll talk about it as we go. I'm your host. My name is Greg Mahochko. If, if you're looking at the same screen I'm looking at, down here is Todd Wolverton. And this dashing young man over here, by golly, with monitor kerchief and he in his cap, looks like he's ready to settle down for that long winter's nap. That's John Dam Johnston, our founder and fearless leader of Coronation. John? Yes, Greg. You look like you're straight out of the Victorian England. What's going on? <laughs> like you look I don't like know what I'm doing with these things. I just got to keep the hair out of my eyes. So I just get I'm trying different things hair, until it gets long enough so I could pull it back into a man bun so I could be Aaron Rodgers' apprentice. You look like you'd be Aaron <laughs> Rodgers' grandfather. <laughs> okay, that'll work. Don, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fine. Long couple days. I'm tired. I'm old. I'm grouchy. Um, but I'm here to celebrate the 250th episode. Rock on. And welcome uh, in his Five Heart Podcast debut, one of the, the many fine folks we have at coronation.com. Tyler, what's going on, Tyler? Hey, guys. How's it going? Tyler, Hold we on. have to ask, are you being held in a dark cellar against your will? Uh, if marriage is a dark cellar, I would say yes. And that was the last time Tyler was ever on the five part pocket. (laughs) That's why I'm downstairs and not upstairs. Well, let's go. Uh, There was an audio hiccup at the beginning, but it seems to have ironed itself out now. So, uh, welcome aboard, man. How are you doing tonight? Good, good. What have I missed so far? We just just started. I I just started. All right, perfect. We're just just (laughs) moving through the intro. Yeah, you show up at the right time. We just got done uh, introducing Todd and uh, saying how old John looks. Uh, and is like, yep, oh, Tyler's here. So perfect, perfect timing. You couldn't have planned it any better unless you were here on time. That's <laughs> great. <laughs> Tyler, okay. uh, as one of the uh, – hold on, John. Hold on. Oh, Pump the brakes there, old timer. <laughs> uh, Tyler's one of our, our newer – coronation acquisitions there i say uh tell us a little bit about yourself i know this is the first time you've been on uh the podcast so uh what's your area of expertise as far as uh what you do here at coronation uh well uh john initially hired me to do recruiting and i do still do a little bit of that um i think he good word from uh uh, a friend, Pat Jansen, who used to be affiliated with Coronation, um, the guys who did uh, the Big Red Cast, you know, Ryan Tweedy and stuff like that. So I think he got good word from me about me from Pat. And so I came on board as a recruiting writer and have, for the past several home games, been covering the uh, team from the press box, which has been a really fun experience. And 
really enjoy that. So I've been a Nebraska fan pretty much from the moment I could start walking, you know, watched all the glory years, um, you know, remember more 97 than 94, 95. Um, that's when I really started paying attention to football. So, uh, but I love it. I love so far. I love being a part of it. And I just love that with uh, hearing from, you know, everybody who has a say in the Cornhusker community. So it's nice. <laughs> so I have to ask and it's important that I get your take on this because as we all know, uh, Todd is is a little bit older, and then John's certainly exponentially older than that. So these guys, they have dwindling memories, and you know, then John had the heart attack, and you know, we 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 make we make fun of his age and and memory before that. So I it, I almost feel mean making fun of it now, but so no, you don't, you lying sack of shit. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, but as someone who you know a little bit younger remembers the '90s pretty well. And then the uh, slow slide into mediocrity, you know, how, how do you handle it being, you know, uh, a little bit younger than these guys who, you know, John's livers toast, you know, he's, he, he's trying to regenerate it by giving up alcohol. It's not working. And then Todd, um, Todd's Todd, you know, and, and we say that. <laughs> well, um, it's, it, it's interesting because like I, like I said, I do remember the nineties, you know, as, as shocking as that may seem for some people that, you know, a five-year-old remembers, you know, uh, Oscar football at that point. But, and like I said, 97, I remember more crystal clear than, than the two earlier championships in the nineties. But, um, and then of course, you know, the run we had in 2001, you know, losing to that, Unbelievable Miami team. I, 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 I for sure thought we weren't even going to be in the conversation for the national championship after what happened in the Colorado game. But, um, yeah, no, I, it's been weird. Like it's, it's hard to explain because it's hard to explain to like my younger siblings. Cause I have a lot of younger half siblings. My youngest half sibling is like four or five years old. And he's just now starting to like football. And it's hard to explain to him that, Nebraska football used to be relevant. Used to be good. Used to be a. He, he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand that. <laughs> God, I'm gonna weep. It's it's sad. It really is. And 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 seeing, you know, seeing the you know the firing of of Frank Solich and bringing in of Bill Callahan and and. Um, going through that to Pelini, to Riley, now to Frost. Um, it's just light at the end of the tunnel, like most of us are to it, but it just feels like every time we take a step closer to it, we take like five more steps back. And it's, it's becoming increasingly difficult to keep the optimism in my heart um, when the, when it seems like the same things are happening over and over and over again, and there just doesn't seem to be an end in sight anywhere. I, I time, out. You... Time, time out. Time oh, out. God. Why didn't Tyler record 
the post-Minnesota game rant instead of John because the way he handled it and the way he articulated it is the same as John, except Tyler will get credentialed going forward. (laughs) He has not alienated the rest of the Big Ten like viral sensation John Dam Johnston. Tyler, thank you very much. That was a wonderful capsule of life as a big red fan from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the swamp. Perfect. I also thought you were gonna call I thought you were gonna call timeout so you could explain to him what happens when you get old and bitter like you and how hard it is to hold on to happiness then. I have to spend more time with Tyler. I have decided that right now. Because <laughs> Tyler, you, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm dividing the podcast room here a little bit. So no more know. than usual. Well, my mom <laughs> you know, said I, I had to stop hanging out with John. You know, <laughs> she said you have to start choosing your friends more wisely. Probably did. <laughs> I can in, believe that. In in John in John's defense, though, he's voiced he voiced his frustration in the way that I normally would voice my, my, especially with what's happening this season, which is so baffling, the, the, the one score losses. It's, it's good to know that we are this close, but it's like, eventually when is that, that gap going to be closed? Like the one score losses when do they become one-score wins or, or become victories like, uh, like the Northwestern victory? You know, um, because Northwestern is a poor team in the Big Twelve or in the Big Ten right now. They are, but to the extent of the rest of the Big Ten, I don't know. I mean, put Northwestern and Indiana. There might be some points there. Who knows? There may be none, but. It just doesn't make sense to me that we keep finding ways to lose these close games. Um, but for the past seven years before that, we would get in big time games and we would shit the bed and, and, and not be relevant and not be even in, you know, considered for um, being a team on the rise at all. Because it seems like a lot of the media pundits out there say we are a team on the rise, that, that Scott has figured out something with this team. But, you know, we just keep finding ways to shoot ourselves in the foot because this team has suffered year after year after year with losing. And knowing what a loss feels like and not knowing what an actual genuine victory from start to finish feels like. <laughs> and any time they do... It just it 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 goes back to the same old thing. The the minute they start feeling good, it just bad stuff starts happening again. Tyler, I I, I want to this the second time you you kind of said the you know one step forward, five steps back type of thing, and I completely agree. Um, I think what we see in game is uh, you, you know the microscope zoomed in, but it's a program thing. You know the program will take a step forward, and then. Bump, 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 you know, have to, you know, get pushed back 
uh, just like we see, you know, uh, on the field on Saturdays. I, obviously, I don't have the answers. Otherwise, I'd be making $70 million a year. And, uh, uh, you know, but I want to go back to something you, you, t- you talked on, or I guess Todd uh, mentioned it. John's post-game on the field video at Minnesota. And, and this is why I think not only will he get more credentials, I think he will be welcomed by, you know, road universities, visit or opponent universities with open arms because John is a media sensation now. Uh, one and two, he did such a good job of selling that Minnesota game day experience that it was a little <laughs> free commercial for, you know, watching a, watching a game there on uh, Minnesota's home turf. So, why wouldn't a, another university say, "I got he's he's right"? We let, let's you know. And, and John, I know I don't know if bucket list is the right word, but you said you'd love to go and, and shoot the game at Madison, uh, you know, in a few weeks and and be a part of that. Uh, I I don't see why you won't be. Well, uh, is it possible that anybody has reached out to John or John's reached out to anyone for credential? I mean. Shoot, uh, I think Nebraska goes up to play volleyball up in. Oh my uh, God, nothing has happened. So- nothing, nothing has happened, you sons of bitches. God, a little aggressive. Let me, hey, I got one thing. I, I've got to say this. I did a training today with one of my colleagues up in Neely, Nebraska, and there were teachers, administrators there from eight different schools in North Central Nebraska. And there were about 30 people in the room. And of course, my colleague, she was the one that was kind of spearheading the presentation. And I was kind of, you know, the, the sidekick, so to speak. And she introduced herself and then she wanted me to introduce myself. And so I gave my usual stick that I've been given for the last year and a half. And I said, oh, and by the way, show of hands, how many of you have seen the short little video that has gone viral uh, from that Nebraska fan with the old guy with the long hair that went on the rant after the Minnesota game? <laughs> Well over three quarters of the people raised their hand. And and I said, that was really something, wasn't it? And they all kind of chuckled and laughed and stuff. And I said, that's one of my very best friends from college. And I said, so if you're going to develop an opinion of me before I start presenting, let me tell you, I am the stabilizing force in his life. Oh, my God. I can believe this. I can. Oh, good God. That might be laying it on a little thick, though, honestly. He would do Stabilizing that. force. I did it. I, I, true, that's true. <laughs> uh, that video, by the way, over 23,000 views now on YouTube. Uh, it still didn't I, get as many as Illinois. It's true. And Illinois was also where you first coined the phrase. It is. You know, so, so uh, real recognize real. Uh, <laughs> but I, I said at the time, I said, John is the, the angry voice slash face of, of Husker fans. You know, either with the internet being what it is, everybody could have the platform if they chose. But you go into most of the message boards, they're saying the same things. You go to most of the comment sections, they're saying the same things. It's just John is like, I kind of want to do this from the field after the loss. And sure, it would have been nice if, you know, it was a post-game celebration video. Um, but it the the reaction video that you gave uh, was pure emotion, 
some irrational thought and uh, and a phrase that I've seen uh, people trying to turn into T-shirts uh, online. I haven't seen the shirts in, in person, but uh, and, and also it's important to say almost two weeks later, thanks for not stepping in front of a bus. <laughs> I can show yeah. you with the uh, pre-rehearsed uh, video I was going to do if we won. Okay. It, 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 it would have gone something like this. <laughs> <laughs> and it probably would have had some F words in it. And I can guarantee you Minnesota probably would have drugged me off the field and said, don't come fucking back. And that might have actually cost you credentials both there and anywhere else in, in the future. If you're <sighs> I, I think I injured pelvic thrusts in the on the 50 yard line. Let's just let's do the time warp again. That's all it is. <laughs> What's the time warp? You've never seen Rocky Horror Picture, Picture Show? It's not really on my to watch oh. list. It, especially during Halloween season. Yeah, yeah it's it's find it, find it, sit down and watch it. I think it's on Amazon Prime right now. Just just watch it. it. Tim Curry at his finest. Susan Sarandon looking amazingly hot. What's it about? Um, <laughs> it's it about. Oh my god. <laughs> Let's it's, do the time warp again. <laughs> the best, the best way I could describe it is a rock opera. A rock, okay, okay. It's a it's a rock opera that is uh, focuses on gothic sci-fi type themes, um, like aliens from another planet. <laughs> Meatloaf's in it. Meatloaf's in it. It's great. You know, he's two out of three. You know, By the way, do they still show like that Lincoln on is a midnight movie? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not advertised. Do All people right. like dress up? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. so they're still doing that stuff. All right. So oh. I'm definitely in the minority here of, of the four of us. Uh, this is for all of you watching on YouTube. If you feel that Rocky Horror Picture Show is worth my time. Let me know in the comments, and uh, I might watch it uh, after the football game, depending on how that goes. We got trick or treating after this weekend. The children are in bed after the children are in after all. Oh, yeah, after the children are in bed. After the children are in bed. Is it an R-rated rock opera? Not really. It's it's what's it's it's back when the rating system was skewed. It's like in the seventies, eighties, right? So like. You know, Jaws is an R-rated movie, and or no, PG-13, and that one I would probably bump up to, bump up to like PG-13 R, and so like or like Breakfast Club is an R-rated. Back movie. when America had morals, and they weren't like I, run over by Todd and his. I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider. Friends. I wouldn't consider Breakfast Club a, an R-rated movie. <laughs> so yeah, it's Bruce Paul all out of the time. The world's in a perfect place. Okay, so there you go again. Uh, for you, the viewers, if you've made it this far, God bless you. Uh, and tell me, Rocky Horror Picture Show, is it worth my time? I'm curious to know uh, the, the viewers' reactions. So, Everybody should see it Oh, once. my. Everybody should see it once. Okay. 
I, I, you should see it at a theater in its intended environment. I feel like with, with a lot the people in the costumes and the audience participation, it's 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 quite a spectacle. It's it's amazing to watch. It really is. Like, and they've been doing it since basically, you know, it became a cult following type of thing, and people will do it throughout the year, like like once a month or twice a month or whatever. But the big time it happens is around Halloween because it's considered a Halloween type movie just because of um, the themes, I guess. But okay. but I feel like we're, we're getting away from Nebraska football and we're talking <laughs> more about Rocky Horror Picture Show, which, which goes to show you how, how we – feel about nebraska football maybe at the moment so maybe three we and five get our minds on something a little differently <laughs> what do you uh, spend your entertainment dollars on speaking of yeah. horror movies with this weekend being halloween dot, dot, dot. no um i i feel like sometimes the scariest three hours that i can spend is watching a husker football game on a saturday you know i uh <laughs> i i go uh, go into it we we had this hierarchy the conversation um, because, you know, I'm a Husker fan. Uh, obviously, uh, I'm a Steelers fan at the NFL level. I love the St. Louis Cardinals. I love the St. Louis Blues. So we had the hierarchy. is like, uh, you know, what, what do you love more, the Huskers or the Steelers? I was like, well, is it Sunday? No, then it's the Huskers, you know. <laughs> or is it is it December? Then it's the Steelers <laughs> because the Huskers aren't playing in December. We know that. Uh, like, okay, what about that? for a while. <laughs> Sorry, John, the truth hurts. Get over it. <laughs> but it's like you, pretty much the Huskers being, you know, my priority, you know, viewing it and, and God bless my wife. Cause she puts up with it, you know, she, she doesn't mind usually sitting there and watching the game or, you know, doing other things, but she let, lets me watch the game. Um, so I, you know, that chunk of time is, I don't want to say sacred. I don't want to sound, you know, blasphemous or anything like that, but that's, you know, I, I'm getting my oldest into watching the games. You know, he'll sit there. I'll sit on one couch. He'll sit on the other. Sometimes he'll sit up next to me. And he can feel, I think, the excitement and the energy that I have, you know, uh, which gets me excited to someday take him to Memorial Stadium. Uh, and, you know, be especially if it's a primetime game, because we've seen what the the program and the university have put together this year and and share that that energy with him. But he'll he'll be like, go big red. And, and then he, he doesn't know the, the tempo, you know, the, the way it's said in the state among other fans. So he'll just rattle off 20, go big reds, go big red, go big red, go red. And he like running around, like you gave, you know, a five-year-old coffee or something like that. Uh, and that's fine. I wish I could bottle that energy and, and put it to work for myself, but uh, uh, win or lose, you know, and like, look, this five hour podcast, uh, you know, we're in the 250th episode. I think a lot of people forget because it's been four years, over four years now, but uh, this was started as a me and Brian uh, show, you know? Um, and then when, when he passed so suddenly, I realized that, you know, there is more to life than football, you know? Um <clears throat> Sorry, John, I didn't feel that as much with you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm 
But, uh, you know, he and I started this. This is actually our second podcast for Coronation. We had like a mailbag show uh, years before that called Detasseling the Huskers. I don't know why we called it that, but people sent in, you know, emailed or whatever questions to us and, and, and we, you know, recorded midweek or whatever and an- answered their questions. Uh, and, and Brian was great at that. You know, he, he was, did, did the recruiting, you know, he, he coordinated. Uh, we, I've talked about this with, with various coronation people since, but the general consensus is, you know, while John is the face of coronation, certainly we wouldn't be nearly as organized as, as we are without Jill, you know, Jill stepped up yeah. in a big way. Uh, and, and I don't know if people know that, you know, outside of our group, but, you know, she kind of makes sure that, you know, posts aren't overlapping or, or running into each other. She does, uh, you know, uh, handles a lot of the logistics and I don't know if she gets enough credit for that, for that. Um, <clears throat> but that was all, you know, that was something that Brian handled also. You no. Know, so he, he recorded a podcast with me, um, you know, did the recruiting cranked out, you know, maybe sometimes four or five articles a day, uh, as well as, as all the scheduling. And so there were, uh, there was, you know, one person passed away, but there were a lot of jobs left, uh, you know, to, to a lot of roles to be filled. So, you know, Haas stepped in right away uh, on, on, you know, co-hosting the show here. And then eventually John, you, you, you were doing guest spots uh, and then you just, you never went away. <laughs> and so here I can we intend are. to do that. <laughs> is that. Is that what you told your wife? Is, well, is you can ask Todd's talking? dad. I still remember Todd's dad one weekend later, he bitched at me. He said, I asked him something about buying more beer. And he said, you drank my entire budget for this month. <laughs> We're out there. I was out there on a Saturday or something. I, I still remember that bit from your dad. <laughs> and i, I thought you know you knew i was coming why the fuck didn't you hide it you dumbass? what the hell are you you know come on it's not what do you this up. is no secret <laughs> Jesus. I, I don't want to uh, diminish anybody's efforts but what brian did in recruiting we've got guys like tyler aquilo rick you know when he's available uh multiple guys are doing what one guy used to do and that and you know, every, every situation is different. You know, some guys have more and or less time to uh, be able to devote to it. Brian had, was kind of in that sweet spot because he had the flexibility with his work and, and things like that. Um, but the way this show started and people don't realize that we should be almost to 275 or 285 episodes, but we took off an off season after spring football and didn't start up again until like August one year. Cause we're like, both tired we're just you know trying to work the schedule just don't don't have it in us so um and actually now that i look back i think that might have been the off season of 2017 you know so coming back we didn't have too many recordings uh you know again before before brian passed uh but the way that this show has evolved and you know we we i don't certainly earlier this year when you know, my twins were born. I had to, to scale back my involvement and Todd, God bless you, man. Uh, you, John, uh, you know, hold you, held you down to the pavement and, and, uh, threatened to you, made you the kind of the honorary host, you know, and, and you're way too kind to me because you said, yeah, I know it's me, Todd. I, 
I sure wish Greg was here too. No, you guys, you guys rocked it. You know, uh, all those episodes that, that I was away, I, I, I appreciate you, Todd, for holding down the fort. Uh, because, as you know, more than anybody at Coronation, outside of Mrs. Coronation, is John's not an easy person to to put up with day in and day out. Come on. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We love you. You know, Greg. Well, that's probably true, actually. <laughs> You know, and, and, you know, I, I never, I just want to say a couple things here. I, I never met Brian. Um, I never communicated with Brian. I knew Brian through John. I knew Brian through, you know, coordination and I listened, you know, to the podcast a few times and, you know, you got to echo uh, and, and, you know, what Greg's saying about the role that he uh, filled and, um, you know, me kind of coming on the scene well after uh, Brian passed, um, you, you still appreciate, you know, the impact that he had because you hear it in the story that Greg tells, references that Jill makes, references that John makes. And, um, you know, Greg, I, I'm, I'm glad you shared that story because it it really does put some perspective on uh, not only where this podcast has come from, but it, in reality, where coordination has come from. And, and I got to say, because it's today, because we're talking about Brian uh, today, as we're recording this uh, and this episode, the 250th episode will actually drop a day early. So, uh, you know, everybody usually expects the five heart podcast on Fridays. This will drop Thursday. And then we have a special uh, edition of uh, the five heart podcast uh, for Friday as well with uh, Travis Miller from hammer and rails. Uh, so you get two five heart podcasts this week and I apologize in advance, but that's okay. But we, we record this, on October 27th, 2021, and quite possibly 10 years to the day from the one of the worst sports days in Brian's life, because it was on October 27th, 2011, where my St. Louis Cardinals and David Freeze came back to win it in the 11th inning over his beloved Texas Rangers. And I remember I shared that video on Facebook almost every year and I tag him in it even because I know he, he, he swears at me uh, and he'd be he's probably doing it right now. Uh, <laughs> but I, I would bring that up every year, uh, you know, up until his passing. And, and he got to the point where you're like, just don't even say it. I know what today is don't. I, I don't. Think don't say it. <laughs> but that, uh, that is what sport is that? Uh, baseball. No. It's Major League Baseball. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's right, Rob. I feel like I missed out on do you, something. Do, do you think there is more of a, a following in college baseball now than Major League Baseball, John? Do you think more people follow their college, the, the Collegiate World Series and things like that more than they would follow like the World Series and postseason now? Yes. I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. I just look. Look at this. Look, I I know most most college baseball teams are tied to you know like the uh, the state, right? Be it Texas or um, Georgia. I mean Nebraska, certainly. LSU, Arkansas. Okay, the thank you. Entire SEC. Um, the Cal Stetson Man Hatters. 
Okay, UFC well, Davis, the Long Beach State Dirt Bags. Are, are you done? Yeah. <laughs> but you look at, at a metropolitan area like Atlanta, uh, and the the I mean, it the baseball, the major league baseball uh, <laughs> impact of of this. It's the entire state of Georgia, right? So, uh, but it's also you know, the fans who are, you know, have, have moved, moved out of that area. So I love the college world series. I don't ever have the time to watch it. I don't have time to watch the world series unless the Cardinals are playing in it. Right. That's sort of my MO is if my team's not playing, I don't, I don't care. You know, I, I've got X amount of hours to watch sports every week. And usually it's tied up by the Huskers, but no, uh, Tyler, to answer your question, no, no way is the college world series bigger than, the Major League Baseball World Series. And I apologize to you, John, because I know that, that that's a slap in the face and a dagger in the back. That's the reality. Because you're never going to have oh. – never going to have – if, if, it's, if, it's, if it's the Dodgers and the Yankees, there's nothing that college baseball can do to compete with that as far as a draw, as far as numbers. Two of the more, most storied franchises in all of sports. You just have this year where it's Atlanta and – Houston and nobody likes Houston because Houston's a bunch of cheating bastards. Uh, so everybody's pulling for right. Atlanta. I am I am pulling for Atlanta for that very same reason. And the fact that Jake Myers wasn't on the roster because of his shoulder injury it gave me less of a reason to like Houston. So, um, but no, I mean, and kind of like you were saying, Greg, the the Dodgers winning it, uh, the Cubs winning it. In 2016, which got that, you know, huge, you know, burden off their back, Kansas City Royals winning it. I mean, people get I think people get more invested in the city and then people, you know, obviously Yankee fans are everywhere. Red Sox fans, Dodger fans. Um, One of my best friends is in hog heaven right now because the Braves are in the World Series and he's been an Atlanta Braves fan since you know, the early nineties. So it's great. It's amazing. It's I, I, I think that major league baseball will always be more watched over the college world series. It's great to hear the Cinderella stories and the, the teams that, you know, get out of the regional and super regionals and make it, down to Omaha and things like that. And I took my son for the first time to the college world series this year and felt he fell in love with Virginia, um, the Virginia baseball team and actually got, a took him for his birthday and he got, a his baseball signed by, uh, Virginia's closer, Stephen shock probably won't be listening to the podcast, but shout out to Stephen for, for taking the time to do that for, for you, Cooper. You tag, him, you tag him in this link on Twitter and, and he'll find it. Okay. And he'll, yeah. And he, and actually he was really awesome about it because I, I put something on Twitter saying he took his time out to stop with him and, and he, he direct messaged me and, you know, he just kind of like, change a few words. And, that was the thing when they play him. You know, he's like, I want to go close, you know, but he's, you know, he's not really involved in another 
like major league team right now. So the fact that he just loves baseball in general, I feel like taking him to the College World Series is the best thing. But <sighs> and and also I I think anyway I, I agree. <laughs> I think there are there are some really fun stories that uh, you know can be told in Omaha, and maybe that's the advantage that they have. You know, they don't have the the big brands. You know the big four but after the red sox you know uh world series drought ended in 04 uh, also boston and uh the cubs streak ended in 2016 also um there there aren't as many you know and then the royals you know they they had a much shorter uh drought but you know there just aren't that many fun stories in baseball anymore. And I, and baseball to their credit is doing everything possible. Like major league baseball clarify is doing everything. You know know what the difference between you guys is and me. I don't interrupt people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that could be one of them. I'm pretty good at that. I hear it from my family all the time. The honest to God truth is I am not a sports fan and you guys are sports fans. I'm not. I am not a sports fan at all. I am a Nebraska fan. And when that when Nebraska touches other things, then I'm a fan of those things. But I'm not actually a sports fan. I, you know, I I have watched since the pandemic started. I've watched more NFL football than I've really honestly cared to watch because my family keeps pulling me into these fantasy league things that I get destroyed in. I'm at the bottom of our family league this year, and I think that's where you're supposed to be if you're dad, I guess. I don't know what the hell the deal is. But uh, that's that's the reason why I like college. In fact, Todd's dad was the reason that I got to like Husker baseball. Otherwise, I probably would never paid attention to Husker baseball until Dave Van Horn came along. But, you know, what? back to one thing about Brian being gone. We don't make any jokes anymore about polishing our balls. <laughs> and, you know, there's no there's no he would be so serious about bowling balls and balls and whatever the hell people were doing when they Getting came to drill balls. My God. Yeah, he'd be I, like, I, I got to go in and drill balls. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh for those who uh, are don't know, Brian was a, a big bowler as well. Uh, you know, did, did leagues worked worked the bowling alley uh, in like the pro shop, and actually helped you know cover bowling. You know, Husker women's bowling things like that, which we tried to carry on here and there. And, and they're they have more championships this millennium than the Husker football team. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the, all the bowling references have, yeah, they've, they've decreased to diminished to exponentially. So, so where are we going to go from here, Greg? I don't I don't know how far we are into this. Uh, no, I mean, for the, by the 300th episode. I'm Where a, are we I'm going? Surrender Cobra. What do you so, see um, in the future of the Five Heart Podcast? What's your business plan for growth <laughs> and fame? Uh, more John Johnston, less of everybody else. Oh my God! <laughs> no. Uh, so we we do these uh, we put these videos up on YouTube, right? Uh, and I know you, you were giving me hell because I didn't do last week's because. I didn't have the energy. 
Um, <laughs> I didn't. Somebody on YouTube actually said where it asked where it was. So see, I they 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 pay attention. They do, but also the the views on that versus like a, a halftime or post game or your one of your prediction videos. It's a couple hundred views. So I don't know how we sustain putting the entire episode up on YouTube. This is, by the way, this is, you know, production meeting shit that we should not be sharing with the general public. But here I am. It's also easier if I'm going to put any of the five heart podcast up on YouTube. It's easier just to take the entire thing rather than chop it up because that's more work for me. <laughs> so um, where are we at in five or 550 episodes? Um well, let's see. Doing the math, we will be out of September next year into the first week or two of October. So the Husker football team will be four and one. With the new coach? No. No. I thought about that when uh, I I wonder I wonder how many look with, we with, talk- with new position coaches? Question mark. I would hope so. Uh, uh, Janander can stay because we've seen the we've seen the most improvement on the defensive side of the ball, right? So I feel like that side is safe. Um, But whoever our special teams analyst slash coordinator slash volunteer off the street is uh, needs to go. Cool. There, there needs to be. And here's the thing: early in the season, and, and John and Todd, you know. We're very critical of reduced go. Very critical. Um, however, the last few games, when when we had that tough stretch, when it was Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma, Michigan State, Northwestern, not tough, but you know they were in there uh, in that chunk of you know, with with Michigan at, at the tail end. I thought that Adrian Martinez played his best month of football since he's been here, honestly, and and that's with three losses. Um, but he looked as good. And then I don't know, he was injured against Minnesota, you know, they're depending on what campus you hear, uh, this, this time next year, we should have changes on the coaching staff. Um, it won't be the head coach. There's there's too much money at stake. Um, but I hope that we're, I hope that we're happier as a fan base, uh, you know, Scott Frost was supposed to be the great unifier. You know, he was supposed to be the Abraham Lincoln of our day. Might be, <laughs> might be asking for an awful lot there, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, he, he was supposed to be the hometown, the, the, the favorite son, national champion coming home. And that worked for until, you know, the first game. And not not the Akron game that got rained out, but that game against Colorado was like, maybe he's not the guy, you know. So I, I'm hoping that as a fan base, by this time next year, we're just not ripping each other, you know, apart. That'd be great, you know. Either we all love Scott Frost or we all hate Scott Frost, but let's just all be on the same page. What do you think, Todd? Todd, you might want to unmute your, your microphone. Yeah, I, I think the volleyball team just lost the third set, um, which is unfortunate. But uh, thanks for paying attention to this show, Todd. No, I listened, I listened really close <laughs> to what you were saying. Um, 
I, I guess my, my gut tells me that unless the next four games um, are horrible performances by the Nebraska football team, uh, horrible losses, my guess is, is that Scott, Scott Frost will be back. Um, my personal opinion is I don't think he's a quality head coach. Um, I think of the 14 head coaches in the Big Ten Conference, he's at best number 13. Um, I don't believe, I don't believe that he is going to develop into a high quality head coach. I am off the Scott Frost bandwagon. Wow. And and I do believe that um, if he does stick around next year, I mean, if, if, he is, in fact, the head coach next year. There will have to be some kind of changes made um, on his coaching staff. Um, I think that there will be far too much pressure um, from the fan base. Uh, I don't think Trev Alberts is going to get involved with this. Uh, I'd be very curious to, to listen to what the meeting, uh, to the meeting, you know, be a little mouse in the corner, um, you know, kind of the wrap up meetings, but um, I think there'll have to be some kind of changes on the coaching staff. But um, I, I think that uh, the quicker Nebraska moves on, the better. Okay, Greg. Yes. Uh, I'm sorry. I saw, you, saw your hand raised in the back. I, I missed it. <laughs> Who's number 14? Well, interestingly enough, in my rankings, I have Jeff Brom as number four, uh, 14. <laughs> I Hmm. John, is that interesting based on the conversation we had earlier? Well, Purdue, you know, it's almost basketball season. Um, Yeah. Tyler, where do you think we're at a year from now? Um, I feel kind of that – Four and one, five and zero oh is definitely possible for this team next year. Especially if you look at the way the schedule plays out, we're not playing a lot of the big blue blood teams. I mean, it's a really an opportunity for us to to flex our muscles and and then show a supreme growth. And and you know what is what will that be by this time? Scott's fifth year, sixth year, five, right? Year five. Year five. Yeah. And in my defense, I didn't look at the schedule. I was just hoping. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but um, I think if Scott is being honest with himself and when he goes home at night and, you know, has some time with his thoughts alone, he has to come to the realization that um, if he wants to – keep his job if he wants Nebraska to be successful he has got to part ways with with some coaches that um, he brought with him from UCF Um, and I think some of those people are even uh, unfortunately they're Nebraska alums Um, not to point fingers at who I'm who I'm mentioning here but um, they're there needs to be some change. Um, you can't expect to win in this conference when um, your offensive line can't block 
get, uh, provide running lanes. Um, you can't, uh, you can't expect a team to succeed, um, when those running backs don't always follow their blocking. Um, there is some body wide receiver blocking on the outside that I think could be better. And we've had better wide receiver blocking in the past, as well as production at the wide receiver position. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say how many coaches are going to go. I do think Mario Verdusco has shown that he in year four has finally maybe gotten Adrian where he needs to be. And I do believe Adrian will be back next year. I know you're not a big fan of that thought, John, but <laughs> he's done, I don't think he's done enough. I, I, I don't think he's, he's ha, he definitely hasn't done enough to be drafted um, into the NFL. I don't think he's had one, one and a half good seasons. You know, if he really wants to make a shot at the NFL, his best shot is here. I don't think going back to Fresno and leading Fresno to a 11 and 0 record <laughs> in a weak Mountain West conference does it for you. You know, I know that's a big speculation too that he wants to go back to Fresno, but I don't. I don't think that does it for you. Either. I'm. I've thought about this. I'm going to give you guys the worst case scenario. Yeah. We're now in four, the fourth year of Scott Frost. We're three and five. If we lose to Purdue this week, we should, he, he shouldn't be back at all. But let's just say that I, I don't think he's going to get fired. I don't think Scott Frost is going to get fired no matter what you, that you, me, anybody thinks. Uh, may, might he replace some of his coaching staff? Yeah. Here's the problem that I have. And why I'm glad I don't make these decisions unless they were paying me like, I don't know, a million five a year. Let's say that Scott Frost does improve. We let's we end up five and seven, and people are like, oh, we were so close to being a good team. We we're so close to being a good team. Next year he goes six and six, and the year after that he goes seven and five, and seven and five, and seven and five, and suddenly we've got Kirk Ferentz for a fucking coach. And that's all we have ever gonna get. Out of Scott Frost because that's his ceiling. Is whatever he's going to be like Kirk Ferentz, except he's going to his name is going to be Scott Frost and be coaching at Nebraska. He'll get bonuses for winning eight games just like Kirk does because the athletic department is a bunch of weak, willy, need poopy butts. But if you were going to fire a guy for being bad at his job, year four with a losing record would be where you would do it. I'll probably do a separate YouTube video on that is because it's shorter, but that would be the one fear I would have about Scott Frost. Either he needs to, it's as if he said, I'm just going to show up and be a head coach and things will fall into place because I'm going to do the shit we did before and everything will be successful. And the team will likely figure out a lot of it because that, you know, we'll coach him up a little and then they'll figure, put a unity council together and those guys will figure out how to make themselves accountable and good. And I think he, you know, when we talk about it being close enough, I don't think it's the players at all. I really don't. I think it's him and his staff. They're the ones that are close enough, but they're not, they're not good enough to get these games won. It's not the guys on the field that are doing this. I mean, they're playing the games, but they're not the ones that are not scoring that extra touchdown. 
There you go. That's my bit. Do you do you let him go? So we're, if we're gonna go down this rabbit hole, we might as well fucking go in with both feet. Uh, <laughs> he's his team, Scott's team, the Cornhuskers. Uh, <laughs> you, you take away the the season opener against Illinois, and you take away the the loss against Minnesota. I I'll, I'll even throw out the Fordham and Buffalo games. You got four games uh, against you know, and and three of those four opponents are you know top ten, I think, right? Oklahoma, Michigan, Michigan State. And you're you're right there. You, you by all accounts, you you could have won this. I'm not going to sit here and in, in, in hindsight it and say should have. I don't need the internet jumping on my ass again. Um, and then you've got you you come out of of the bye week. You've got Purdue, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Iowa, and outside of Purdue, I, I believe. No, I tell you about Wisconsin's not rated. So, but you still have Ohio State and Iowa. Both, I believe, in the top ten, correct? I think Iowa State. Iowa's up there. Yeah, I didn't say Iowa State, did I? No, I I did. Okay. Iowa's nine, I think. I think they're ninth. Okay. Uh, so you've you've played. Iowa's nine. Okay. You have. Uh, I, I thought that was feedback, so I apologize for my odd reaction. Um, you've played some tough competition. You've got more. You know. You, what, what do we have to do? We have to get two of the next four, three, three of the next four. You, you, we, I mean, not, not for bull eligibility. I mean, oh. to, to keep, to keep Scott in Lincoln, you know, in, in John scenario, you have to finish 500. I think so. Yeah. Let's yeah. Go six okay. and six. You son of a bitch. I've been paid it. a lot. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, you know, I agree. Greg, the, the the problem is, and, and I understand I, where you're coming from. I sound like a Scott Frost apologist. I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to figure it's out. It's okay. But you can't you can't take away Illinois. You can't <laughs> take away those games. They happen, and that in itself is, in my opinion, one of the biggest failings of Scott Frost is a total lack of consistency. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, I I listened today to some people talking about John Cook and the way that you know, he coaches his teams and what, what John Cook and Will Bolt coach teams can do is that they are consistent with their with their emotions after the result. And, you know, even keel and never too high, never too low, a lot of old coach speak cliche, but it's true. And, you know, Scott Frost, his teams are epitomized by a lack of consistency and whether that's snap to snap discipline on the field, whatever it might be this year, we have seen, and, and, you know, I, I honestly believe we have seen glimmers of brilliance. We truly have glimmers of brilliance, but until you can sustain that, we have what we have. We have a total lack of consistency. So, I, I, I don't disagree. And we've talked earlier, you know, uh, the, the one step forward, eight steps back. I know it, it used to be one, one step forward, two, and then five. And we're just adding, you know, backward steps. 
but what do you do? You can't burn down the program again. You, you can't, you can't set fire. Well, to you can, fire. you're young, Greg. Well, here, I, 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 we've not, not all of us have seen it. Have, have seen as many winters as you. Here, here's my thing. Here's my thing to that on the consistency aspect of it. We, we could easily right now still have Bo Pelini as our head coach winning eight to nine games a season, but the drawback to any Bo Pelini coach team was what happened when we played primetime games. Anytime we had the spotlight on us, we, we shit the bed. We looked horribly incompetent against, and uh, you know, the biggest, the biggest, you know, microscope that you can put under the Bo Pelini era is, is the uh, big 10 championship game against Wisconsin. They made us look like a junior varsity football team. But, yeah, we would go to bowl games with eight to nine wins consistently, but we would never be that team that contends. We would never be that team that that would even get that shot. But now we're looking at it with the flip side of the coin. Yeah. I was going to say, Bo Pelini was our Kirk Ferentz. John. Well, that's kind of a weird comparison just because of their personalities, but <laughs> okay. Right. And, but, and, and then you saw all that pushback. You saw all that pushback and that resentment that Bo was fired with the, the players that were left within the program when Bo was fired. And, and I think that played into, you know, unfortunately, uh, Mr. Rogers, Mike Riley, you right. know, getting a really short leash and not get opportunity. You know, he had a lot of resistance from that team. And, and, you know, from all accounts, it seems like that team pretty much um, was run kind of like, a, I don't know, like a, a youth, like a, like a youth 60s, like, I don't know what do what do you what do you like a hippie thing you know like oh everybody love everybody you know type of thing I don't even know like I, I'm talking to the older crowd here so like what what was that called back in the day like a commune right like a like a hippie commune sorry Greg I didn't mean to throw you in there with Todd and John but That's, I, I actually uh, knew what a commune was so you're good okay. I just okay I, no, I'm but, also a hippie I just get haircuts on like John. I'm done. I'm done getting haircuts. Not a hippie. And and so th- so that's another culture that gets brought in and tried to be instilled. And then we bring in Scott Frost, and then there's you know mixtures of Bo, st- uh, Bo players and and Mike Riley recruits. You know, in in that mix, um, you know, dealing with um, that culture change, and it seems like from all accounts now. Scott is putting on his big boy voice and being more angry at practice and demanding more accountability from players now. Um, I don't know why that wasn't a thing right at the beginning, but you know, that's not for me to say, but I guess then where I, I just, I don't know where we go from here. If we don't try and ride this ship out and see if Scott can actually 
give us what he promised, you know, four years ago when he, when he said that the big 10 is going to have to change for us, you know, maybe he ate his words a little bit, ate some crow and he realizes that, you know, maybe we need to go back to what made us great. And I think we talked about this a little bit just as a group um, off off the podcast just in our group chat but i think the option is our best working play so far like the the option game that we run now is the best our offense looks so when we talk about bread and butter plays and stuff we do well surprisingly we do that pretty well we do you know and and adrian seems to have picked up on it well and he seems to have pretty decent timing on, on his pitch man and the running back seem to have good depth. Um, the blocking seems to be good on the perimeter. Um, maybe the, it's, 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 I'm not saying it's time to go back to the option completely and be a, a Navy or an air force, but uh, there, there are, there is offenses out there that I, I think, doesn't Tulane run something like that? Run like a shotgun option offense or something like that. But I'm I, rambling. I'm rambling. I'm sorry. So new guys talking too much. But another another reason you can't just you know cut him is the economic standpoint. What's the buyout? Twenty uh, two million. Yeah. Okay. I mean, how, how, how many years were we paying Bo Pelini when he was no longer the coach? You know, like, I'm not saying like it, it I'm not saying it, it's like a stay together for the kids type of situation, you know, <laughs> but but you can't you, you can't be owing 22 million to one guy. And then the guy you're going to have to bring in, you're going to be paying him eight a year. You're going to have to pay. You're, you're, you're going to have to go get like Nick Saban light. You know, you can uh, do this. You cool. can who, 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 it's not a matter well. of who. I, I want to point something out. Our entire lives, and not your entire life, Greg or, or Tyler, our entire lives, Todd and I, Nebraska in its entire history has never won a single NCAA tournament game of basketball ever. Right. We are the worst power program in, in history of all the conferences. We're the worst. Let's mm-hmm. not call okay? that. We didn't Unlucky. just sit here and go, oh, gosh, I guess Tim Miles was unsuccessful. We just might as well fall down and cry and just get beat up by the big kid and feel bad about ourselves. No, we found a coach named Fred Hoiberg who's now bringing in players of the likes we've never seen even walk on the floor at Nebraska, whether they were drugged and woke up there with a bag over their head or not. And now we're looking at a basketball team that can probably compete in the Big Ten, the best conference in the land. Okay. So the, why you can't, the reasons why you get rid of Scott Frost is that you look at him at the end of the year and you say he's not going to get this done. And then you come up with the money. And I know Trev Alberts the other night said they didn't want to break the big construction thing into two pieces and they needed $22 million, which is just pretty much what Scott's buyout is. So that's where you get your idea that, hmm, they don't want to pay that right now because they'd rather big build themselves this fabulous palace thing. So we're going to be stuck with possibly a coach that really isn't that good. 
See, and, right? and you don't, you uh, don't just, you don't just guess, say no. I can't do this. You know, my is my it, comments. Is, my comment early on was that I, I see Scott Frost coming back next year unless these four games are total disasters. Okay. Right. And and I don't think these four games are going to be total disasters. I still have the belief that. Nebraska can put it together. I think they can win some of these games. I, I, I don't know, but they, they may very well go on for. And, but I guess my point is, and that what I'm trying to say is, I don't think Scott Frost is going to take Nebraska to the level that Nebraska fans desire. And the sooner that the powers that be figure it out, in my opinion, the better. Greg, no question about the buyout. No question. That, that, handcuffs to an extent, you know, and, and, you know, John's right. You know, we can break the bank and bring in, you know, whomever, you know, if that's the direction, but I think that there are too many other things in play. Um, Get that new facility built, get that new facility built because supposedly it's going to be the palace in college sports. At that point in time, you got people, you got potential coaches looking at that thing and that will become a selling point. Now, Scott Frost next year, you know, Tyler mentioned, you know, he thought, you know, four and one, you know, maybe even five and oh is, is a reality. I haven't looked at the schedule for next year. Hell I'm waiting for the baseball schedule to come out and I haven't seen that yet, (laughs) but the, the reality of it is, is that, you know, he could go in next year and he maybe he does win eight games, nine games, and maybe people get all excited about it. But in the back of my mind, I'm kind of where John's at. I think, I don't think that uh, I think Scott Frost is going to reach his ceiling and, and I don't think it's going to be where Nebraska fans expect the team to be. I got one more thing to add to this. Adrian Martinez has been our starting quarterback. What? Five, 16 years now, something like yeah. that. And, and we, keep, we have a head coach. We've had, we've had a lot of four year starters. We have a head coach. He has more talent than the rest of his entire division but he can't win games against these he's division foes. He can't. And even though he has better players, he does. And yeah. you look at it and you kind of go, okay, what are you waiting for? You're playing Martinez. You never play anybody else. What are you going to do when Martinez is gone? Are you going to sit there and make excuses that the next guy doesn't know the offense or he can't run the offense and wait until we get the next guy after that and the next guy after that? In other words, are we going to have a season where we go, oh, my God, he's got all this shit together, and we have nine wins. And then that guy leaves, and the next two years are three and nine because, oh, my, I don't have the right quarterback. He can't do things. That's what bothers – that's the other thing, along with inconsistency, that bothers me about him. He has to throw his offense out and start over. And that probably includes his offensive stuff. It is is interesting because we saw a little bit last year of what – happens when we decide to uh throw somebody besides adrian martinez out there and look where uh mr mccaffrey is now what third fourth on the depth chart at rice maybe you know somewhere in there um i have liked what i've seen out of logan but it's going to be interesting to see if he maintains that with it seems like the the way that uh heinrich uh, has been developing. I think it's been hard for them to. I, I think it's been closer than most people think 
between Logan and, and Heinrich to see how that plays out. Going back to kind of what we were talking about, if, if Scott's reached his ceiling, so say, you know, eventually we do get rid of him and go somewhere else and find somebody else, and he goes to a, a non-power five school or, or wherever we are in realignment at that point, when this realignment crap is over, does he find success there? Yeah, he might. Is yeah. is it is is it he's is it he's is it he's playing big boy ball and doesn't know how to play big boy ball as a head coach, and he can maybe have a career like Luke Fickle, who you know got handed the keys of the Ohio State uh, team and got run out for somebody like Urban Meyer, and now has found success at Cincinnati and has them number two in the country country is that is that where we're going to be i think there's something to be said about never going home to coach your alma mater because when you do that you have to deal with all the baggage that's waiting for you when you get there and all the baggage you bring with you and then you have to deal with all the fucking traditions that quite frankly don't add anything but more noise and shit piled on top of you trying to be successful when are they going to hand out the black shirt why don't we have a fullback can he run the option of the first play of the game as a throwback to the old days? Hey, Scott, I want to go out to dinner. I played center for you. I was the fourth string center in 96. You know, that kind of shit. You don't have to deal with that if you move someplace completely far away from your home and just start a life there and go, I'm going to be a football coach. There you go. You know, I, I tell you, I, I, I like Adrian Martinez. I've, I've, you know, I like him. He's he's given you know Nebraska. I think everything he has. Um, you know, he's he's they've carried him off on his shield, so to speak. Um, but I would suggest that if if Nebraska loses to Purdue, and if Nebraska loses to Ohio State, I think I think against Wisconsin and Iowa, you play Logan Smothers, and I think that you put him uh, put him in the position of a starter. Uh, you put him under the heat of uh big 10 rivalries and uh i i think that you use those as uh, a way to get a jump on the 2022 season well this has been a fun celebration of 250 <laughs> episodes of the five heart podcast uh i don't know what was more depressing talking about the future of husker football or brian so we've been through a lot greg yeah uh let's let's <laughs> Let's wrap it up. Uh, Purdue this weekend. Purdue this weekend. The Boilermakers. Uh, Nebraska is coming off of a bye. Uh, Purdue is coming off of a loss to Wisconsin. Right after they beat Iowa, when Iowa was the number two team in the country. Uh, so exposed the uh, Hawkeyes a little bit there. Um, Nebraska, you know I, Look, Scott was, I think he was doing the opposite of making excuses, but, uh, you know, at one point he said, hey, we, you know, you play eight games in a row in the NFL. Uh, you got to be able to play eight games in a row in college. So that's what they did. They played eight games in a row, week zero to week seven. And they took uh, on the eighth week, they rested uh, and they found it wasn't good. Uh, so what happens in this game against Purdue? Uh John and I have a little bit of inside insight <laughs> uh, because just before we recorded this 
a podcast we recorded the very next episode of the five heart podcast which drops tomorrow featuring travis miller from hammer and rails the purdue sb nation site and so we know what travis said what travis said is the defense is there they ain't got no running game in west lafayette so he made a prediction i'll let uh the viewers and listeners check out tomorrow's episode for that um but this is not the same Purdue team from, you know, as recently as last year, there's no Rondell Moore. Um, you know, they they still have the, the one uh, receiving threat in bell. They have a nasty defenseman uh, who is, is, uh, you know, went to school right there in West Lafayette and John, you know, his name. I don't George um, Carfalitos Carfalitos George, his name's George. Okay. George. Um, but this is a Purdue team that is, I don't know, uh, underachieving, wow. I think, to, to – George. Uh, right. Yeah, uh, this Purdue team is, is uh, about where, you know, they – Travis Miller kind of had them, you know, uh, and, and Jeff Brom is, is, for the offensive genius that we all thought he was, is, is probably going to have to make some offseason uh, adjustments as well. So we'll start with you. Tyler, what we'll get to score predictions here in, in a few minutes, but you know, from what you've seen of the Huskers, what you've seen of Purdue this year, where do you where do you see this one going on Saturday? Um well, I think the one thing that I noticed a lot in the past years that we played Purdue. Somebody check that dryer. <laughs> The, the years prior that we played Purdue, um, DiCaprio Boodle usually was always on their number one. And I think last year, DCAP did an amazing job shutting down David Bell. So um, it wasn't CTB uh, who was covering their primary receiver. So it'll be interesting to see who they decide to match up David Bell with, as well as the uh, tight end uh Dunham or Durham or whatever, he's usually had pretty good games against us in the past. Um, it's going to be a, it's going to be you know, any running game. I think King Doru has been their primary guy. You know, less less stout lines than ours, but I think our line will be able to handle the running game. So it's really going to come down to how our secondary plays against their receivers. If our secondary matches up with their receivers, which I think they do. And then, you know, it's what exactly did Nebraska's offense uh, do well in the bye week for the plays that Frost said need to be our kind of bread and butter stuff. We need to get back to doing what we do well. Well, what is it? What happens to be what we do well? And I think that's it. Yeah, so, yes, great. I don't know about what we do well. It's something we don't do at all. But by God, when it's fourth and inches at the goal line, I sure would like to see the quarterback line up under center. You're so old. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You're the silver well, box. 
I, I've got uh, the speckle of gray that I keep hidden with that. It's not hidden. It keeps the glare. Well, See, may, maybe he'll maybe he'll he'll come out and do kind of what Mike Riley did to us when uh, when he started featuring Andy Janovich and that got him an NFL career. Um, actually, come out in a power eye formation and uh, you know find somebody who can play fullback. Um, maybe one of your tight ends or something like that, kick him to that and, and run a traditional I formation set, you know, give the fans, you know, that the, you know, those old school fans, what they've been dying to see, give them that. I've said um, it before. I'll say it but again. I don't know that Brody Bell needs it. more time on the field. He, oh he does, he, he does do some things, right. I think I need like, I do. I think it's weird to think that um, somebody who uh, started off as a running back and now as a slot receiver, um, and then he got the start last week, obviously. He's a walk-on. So it's weird to see these walk-ons outperforming these scholarship guys. But if he's got the talent, well, then let's utilize him. I mean, let's find ways to get these guys the football quickly because it seems like our line can't give Adrian a lot of time. They do or they don't. It's, it's really inconsistent. I want to see a consistent offensive line play. How about that? That, that should have been what I led with. I want consistent offensive line play. But, Coming in 2022. Todd, you are always a, 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 an oasis of optimism. Why don't you share some of that with us right now? Simple game plan. Really simple. Double Bell, double Karloftis, win the ball game. It's it's that easy. You gotta you gotta take Bell out of the game. Yeah. You gotta neutralize Karloftis. Nebraska's got advantages across the board. They win the ball game. Simple. Realize since Scott Frost has been at Nebraska, Nebraska has never won after the bye week. Realize that since Scott Frost has been at Nebraska. They have struggled mightily as home team betting favorites. Oh, God, that gave me all the hope in the world. I, I started <laughs> off, but then I'm a realist. You know, I, I hope that in, after this bye week thing, they, they have this chance for these next four games to show that, yes, they are better. And I hope there's just a team that goes out with plays with tons of energy and anger. Like, they, you know, like not what they did against Minnesota. So they do have a chance to show this stuff. And you're right. They just, you know, maybe Bryce Benhart can just have a bunch of bananas in his pants. And as George is coming through the line, he just accidentally whips one out and throws it in front of him. George of the jungle kind of, you know, watch out for that tree. I don't, I don't want any player on either team whipping the banana out of his pants and putting it in the direction of anybody, (laughs) sir. I don't think it's against specifically against any rule. Depends on what banana we're talking about, I guess. (laughs) All right. Am I supposed uh, to say what I think will happen? No, hope maybe. It's not. We'll, we'll, we'll get to the uh, predictions, uh, the actual scores here in a minute. I mean, this thing's only been going on an hour and a half, John. How, how I know. <laughs> Todd is old. <laughs> I'm doing everything <laughs> I can to stay awake. <laughs> we need to finish so Todd can go to bed. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, John, do you uh, realistically, I mean, honestly, do you have anything uh, that you hope to see from the double coverages to the, uh, uh, you know, just out, out uh, athleticing them out, out better athletes, better results type of thing? You know, I'll tell you what, I'll be watching this game really for not just one thing, but I will be watching one thing very close is when we get to the red zone, is Austin Allen in the fucking game? Is Omar Manning in the game? Can they throw the ball to really tall guys in the end zone that can catch the ball in the end zone and score points? Can we figure out a red zone offense that shouldn't be that difficult? That's what I'm going to watch this game for. Because if they can't do those things, I'm going to go, what's the, what the hell are we going to do? Just be bad at offense forever? What the hell? So there you go. That's what I'm going to look for. I think this is going to be a, a situation where, you know, if, if, the, the hallmark of this Purdue football team is their defense. Certainly that's been the most consistent element of Nebraska's, uh, you know, game in 2021. It's definitely not been special teams. Uh, you know, we didn't even touch on that and we don't have time. Todd's drifting. Uh, and, and I've been in Todd's. Position. Drifting, Todd. uh, <laughs> but uh, and, and my, yeah, my wife just came downstairs and she's like, are you coming to bed soon? I'm like, I think so. Hmm. If it makes you feel any better, uh, Tyler, my wife's been downstairs and back up and didn't even bother to ask. So, <laughs> but, but uh, it's going to come down to the offense actually playing at a level that, that will earn them earn a victory. Uh, keep this in mind, and, and I'm just going to give you the number, and I'll let Travis explain why uh, when the next episode drops tomorrow. The number 13. If Nebraska can score 14 points, I like our chances. <laughs> um, the problem is, again, that consistency. Both for, you know, and, it, and it's everywhere. It's the offensive line. It's uh, the quarterback play. It has been better this season, but it's still been inconsistent. And then it's, it's, the, it's the personnel on the field in key moments. Uh, where is your 6'9 tight end? Where is your four-star JUCO transfer? Where is your grad transfer from Montana who had uh, one reception for or one yard last week or last game was barely utilized? And where's the, the dual threat of your dual threat quarterback? Because we didn't see that against Minnesota. Uh, if, if, if you have some of these elements in play, you're going to be successful. Um, it Martinez, I don't know if he, I don't know. I, I haven't, I've, I've, turned it off i didn't even think about college football last weekend um and so i don't know if if he was hurt if he was a little gimpy uh, or what happened in that minnesota game that we did not see a, a mobile able to make you know extend a play make something happen with his feet taylor martinez uh or excuse me adrian martinez oh sorry um but it you need that element or the you know the the it's a house of cards you know it's a castle built on sand so you, you got to be the coaches have to put this team in a position to succeed you know uh, I agree with the sentiment that was said earlier is that they've had all the opportunities they're giving it their all I am not doubting one ounce of heart desire effort on that field it's just they're not always put in the right position. Um, and so before we get to the scores, I want to, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about it. 
I told myself I wasn't going to look that far ahead. I'm doing it anyway. On August 27th in Dublin, Ireland, it's Northwestern. September 3rd, home against North Dakota. September 10th, home against Georgia Southern. September 17th, home against Oklahoma. September 24th, at Rutgers. October 1st, home against Indiana. You have one neutral site and one road game in your first six games of 2022. Let's kick some fucking ass. Let's finish strong. Bowl game or not, don't even think about December. Worry about October because October is what we've got right in front of us. It's Purdue. It's it's time to fucking show up, you know, uh, and, and put the put the naysayers on their ass. Get the job done on the field. Don't worry about twenty twenty two. Don't worry about a potential bowl game. If you don't take care of Purdue, ain't no bowl game. If you don't take care of Ohio State, ain't no bowl game. If you don't take care of Wisconsin, Iowa. Forget about it. We're 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 down to sudden death. We just can only worry about the next thing, and that's Purdue. So with that, let's get to our predictions, our scores. Tyler, let's start with you as the rookie. I think that the Huskers will pull this one out uh, by a score of 27 to 21. So we'll, Connor Pope will get some redemption, some field goals in PATs and uh, field goals. Um I think he rides the ship. I think we actually do see a heavy dose of uh, the run game and Samori Tori and Austin Allen and Travis Vokalek. Um, other guys I'm not so sure about, but defense will do enough to keep them uh, from – you know, being too high powered of an R defense. So yeah, 27, 21. That's what I got. Todd. I put a lot of thought into my prediction this week. Oh, um, I'm going to start calling I, you. I really Todd have. Um, I am going to uh, bank on the fact that uh, they did get some things accomplished over the bye week. Um, it's my understanding they had quite a few days off because they played a zero-week game. So I think they have refreshed bodies. I think they have refreshed minds. Um, so I'm going to say 35-21 Nebraska. Ooh. <laughs> In other words, the same fucking prediction you've made every week this year. <laughs> I appreciate your I appreciate your putting all that effort and time into that, you know. I'm going to go with 24 to 13. <laughs> and the reason why I'm going to go to 24 to 13 is because 13 seems to be a magic number for Purdue and because I, if you, you know what if we lose this game it's a disaster. It really is. This isn't Minnesota. Minnesota actually has a complete football team. Purdue is nowhere near a complete football team. They have some good players in specific spots, but uh, we should actually beat the shit out of them, but I don't have enough faith in saying that that we will. But I'll go with 24 to 13. Nebraska win. 
That's by two scores. Leaves it to me. Thought long and hard about this based on information from all sides and parties. I feel like the offense is going to do some things. I feel like they're going to be able to move the football. Uh, and whether they score from in the red zone or not, I feel like they're going to put some points on the board. I also feel like the defense is going to do their part. And, uh, and I don't know if I want to give the farm away and say, you know, have a pick six or a defensive touchdown, but I do feel like there's going to be at least one turnover uh, from, you know, Purdue side, one takeaway for Nebraska. However, Connor Culp scares me. And I don't think he's going to convert every opportunity. That's why my bold prediction, Nebraska 40, Purdue 13. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (sighs) And we'll see. Uh, We'll see. And again, Travis uh, Miller, our, our esteemed colleague from Hammer and Rails, did a prediction as well. So check it out uh, in tomorrow's episode of the Five Heart Podcast. That's right. You get two episodes of the Five Heart Podcast this week. And as I mentioned previously, I apologize. Uh, so uh, that'll be it for this episode. Uh, we we got a John. What? Can we do something we've never done before? Oh, God. Why not? Can we sing Todd to sleep? <laughs> I, I, <sighs> I can see oh, he's over there. We we gotta we gotta let the old. I, d- I doubt anybody but your your friend of the program guy has gotten this far. So whatever you want to do now, let's just do it. Because it the is show, the two hundred and fiftieth episode and the longest episode we've ever done. I think by a ways. We're Isn't over it? an hour and forty five minutes. Just just a heads up. How yeah. about we just wrap it up? How about that? How about we? We'll let our elder second elder statesman make that call. So uh, for Tyler, the newest to, to the show, I, I'm, I'm pointing down because yeah, that's I'm on my, my face. I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. John, I'll, I'll say their names. You point to them. Okay. All right. For Tyler, for Todd Wolverton, for our founder and fearless leader, John Johnston. I got this one, John. I'm Greg Mahachko. We thank you for 250 episodes of the Five Heart Podcast and at least one more because that one's already recorded. <laughs> and after that, it's a crap shooting the shit show. Uh, so we remind you this week and every week, as we have for 250 weeks, Five Heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red. Go Big Red. Oh, it's all big red. red.